Hello and welcome everybody to the first episode of Video Analytics 101 in the new year in 2022. Uh, we're doing these kind of live sessions, these interviews once per month to talk to industry leaders and to talk to interesting companies in the space of video analytics to find out how stuff really works. We, the goal is really to, um, to go beyond uh, market information, to go beyond all this hype that we have around here. And we're trying to understand how stuff actually works under the hood. Actually, before Christmas, we had a super interesting session with the director of core technologies at Axis Communications, where we talked about the age of AI chips in surveillance cameras. So talking about uh, specific AI chips inside of the edge camera. So if you haven't seen it, uh, go over to my YouTube channel on Video Analytics 101 and check out this recording. It's super interesting. But today we're switching gears. We talk about something completely different. And today we're talking about how to detect violence with video analytics. Why is that relevant? Well, um, in many, for many, many years, we have heard from end users uh, a request on, is it possible to detect certain behavior? Is it possible to detect fights? Is it possible to detect violence? So there is a definitely a, a request from end users there to, to detect these kind of behaviors. Um, just think about uh, prisons or bars or, or, or public safety in general. But on the other hand, there haven't been so many solutions on the market that could actually deliver because it's just an, a, a hard problem to solve. And there are just a few players in the market that would offer that today. And I'm super happy today to talk to one of those companies that are specialized in violence detection, and that's Audity. Audity is here. Um, they are up from the Netherlands, actually, here in Europe. And I'm happy to have Gervin with me, and Gervin is the CTO of Audity. So welcome. Oh, thank you, Florian. Thank you for having me. So um, great to have you here. Uh, let's start off and dive right in. Maybe you can give us an overview of what does Audity actually do? So uh, we started originally with uh, building um, an algorithm to, to basically detect any kind of behavior uh, on live security feeds. So um, our core focus has always been um, cities and municipalities, which often have a, a lot of cameras in, uh, in, in the street. So, really uh, this, this kind of smart city idea, right? And uh, what we wanted to do was um, help, uh, help police and law enforcement to detect uh, interesting or maybe criminal activities. And we started out with violence because it's one of the most high impact crimes there is, right? I mean, you can imagine that this, uh, this problem is, uh, is very hard to solve. Uh, what we did is we, we tried to develop an algorithm to detect violence uh, in these video feeds. And we've been seeing really great results, and we're now also expanding to other kind of uh, other kinds of uh, criminal behavior, basically. So, um, so when when were you founded? So, how old is the company approximately? Company is approximately two years old, and we started uh, because we started in uh, 2020. And uh, at this point, we've had uh, a lot of funding, so uh, we've been able to really focus on our R and D, build this the best kind of algorithm, and then uh, and now we're focusing more on uh, commercial expansion. So uh, making sure we can uh, actually uh, deploy this solution at, uh, at many places, doing a lot of pilots as well. Okay, well, it's uh, that actually makes sense because, as I mentioned in the beginning, there have been approaches in the past to detect violence but I've never seen anything that actually works in the market. And I really think yeah. the technology only has been there for like a few years to make it actually happen. Yeah, the timing, the timing is perfect. I mean, uh, this technology, the, the, the computer vision field, which has been 
making a lot of progress in the past years only has reached the point where it is possible to build these kind of algorithms probably maybe two or three years ago. And we uh, are one of the first to actually uh, take on this challenge and, and, and try and do this in production systems and do this in actual cities. Yeah. So um, before we actually dive into, into the technology, can you give us an idea what is what is the exact problem that the customers are trying to solve? So um, what did they use it exactly for? Is it more a security issue or is it a safety issue? Um, is there some maybe uh, money involved or a business case? So let, let's start there. So what what can you actually deliver and how does it solve a problem for the user? So traditionally, the way this works is most cities or municipalities, and this, this is happening in Europe and in the US and in many places, uh, they install security cameras uh, to, uh, yeah, to basically make sure that if a crime is committed, they, they have a, a, video, a video of it, right? So there's this function of archival, of storing what has happened in your city. Now, secondly, one of the most important things is uh, usually, uh, especially medium-sized and large uh, cities will have like this surveillance center where uh, there's, there's a few staff uh, watching these feeds and making sure they can maybe pick up or prevent crime as it is happening in real time. Now, uh, maybe some people watching have, have, have actually seen these kinds of surveillance centers. It's the kind of surveillance centers where uh, often uh, uh, these cities are running Genetech to actually monitor these feeds. Uh, you have like uh, big, big matrix screens with all kinds of video feeds. Uh, one of the biggest problems is that uh, as of right now, only about, and this is an, uh, an estimate, but we think about five to 20% of incidents are actually uh, caught in real time by one of these people uh, who are actually looking at the camera feeds. We want to uh, get this percentage up to 100%, basically, make sure that they can see everything. Uh, we still want the people to actually handle uh, what needs to happen if an incident occurs. So uh, we won't be taking taking the place of the humans, but we want to help them find these uh, the anomalies or, or criminal activities, basically. Yeah. Um, can you can you give an example about um, how how is it being used today concretely? Um, is it, for example, in a, in a city, and what kind of violence is being detected there? So actually, uh, we we got this. Uh, uh, I heard this story. I, I cannot name clients specifically, but just recently, we uh, we had one of our clients who um, had uh, a pretty uh, uh, serious uh, violent incident happen happen, and it wasn't uh, the, the violent incident was actually visible on one of their screens. But um, when it occurred, and when the, the basically the first the, the first uh, the, the, the attacker punched another guy, he fell behind uh, a little. Uh, basically behind a house that was standing at the, at the back of the feet. So uh, the, the surveillance center staff hadn't picked up on the incident because they hadn't seen it. Uh, but our, our algorithm uh, did actually catch that first punch and was able to trigger an alert. And that way they, they still got onto the accident and could send uh, police over to the, to, to the scene. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but maybe that's a, that's a good point. So how, how do you define violence? What kind of violence would you detect? What is violence? Yeah, so it's it's an important question because um, we actually compile a data set of violent and non-violent examples to teach the algorithm to learn the difference. Now, if you don't have a clear definition of violence yourself, then it's really hard to expect uh, an algorithm to learn it. So uh, we actually do have a quite a strict uh, definition and um, we define it as basically aggressive behavior uh, when uh, at least two people uh, have physical contact. So one person can never 
be in a violent incident, according to our definition. Uh, so you always need two or more people uh, and they need to exhibit uh, physical contact as well as, as aggressive behavior. That's basically our definition. Okay, well, that, that makes sense, okay. So, uh, okay, let's dive a little bit uh, into technology. How does it actually work under the hood? How do you, I guess it's a, it's an AI system, a, a machine learning system. How do you train it to detect violence? Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's quite a unique kind of deep learning system. I mean, we've been using uh, the, the the most state of the art techniques to build this uh, this uh, algorithm. Um, traditionally, uh, in the field of computer vision, um, most solutions are image based. So this means uh, if we look at a video, we take each free frame fr uh, from the video separately. So that there would be thirty frames per second for a normal security camera. And then we analyze the frame uh, and maybe we make some prediction about it. For example, we could say there's this object in the in the upper left corner or uh, there's some kind of behavior uh, within this bounding box. Now, we've built our algorithm um, not on an image-based platform, but on a video-based platform. So from the start, we've, uh, we've been trying to make sure that we integrate the, 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 the time dimension into, into the algorithm. So what I'm trying to say is, uh, if you look at a frame separately, uh, it can be, for example, really hard to discern the difference between someone uh, punching someone or, or 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 doing a high five, right? If you look at a single frame, just just like this, then you have no idea what's going to happen. But if you look at it in the context of uh, the larger, basically the context of the minute, what what happened in the minute before, the minute after, uh, then it's way easier to detect violence. So this is one of the of our uh, yeah, well, kind of our technical breakthroughs yeah um maybe maybe let me repeat that for everyone because that's really something different where probably 95 or more percent of the video analytics you see in the market today um as Erwin mentioned they detect um objects on a single frame so for example to detect a person on a single frame and then on the consecutive frame and so on but the actual following the person to trigger a rule like uh tripwire detection or if somebody goes into an area this uh, this analysis is done with traditional so-called tracking methods, where you try to find the same person from frame to frame, but it's not done by the actual deep learning model. Uh, and one of the reasons is that um, that this is very computing intensive uh, because you to train on it and to uh, and to actually detect based based on on video and not on single images. So this is very different and could also be the start and uh, of a new generation of video analytics. Um, Oddity is not the only one doing it, but there are very few actually um, working on this right now. So this is true. Super interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think uh, one of the challenges, uh, there's, there's many of them, but one of them is you need a lot of data to do this, right? So if you, if you uh, do an image-based algorithm, there's a lot of stuff uh, that already exists where you can build upon and, and use for your algorithm, but, but the, the space we're in is, is very new and uh, our approach is, is quite different. Yeah. Okay. How, um, uh, and yeah, maybe let me take uh, one, one question from the audience. Um, it's, uh, there, there's a question, could it be used in vehicles such as trains and buses? Um, but the more general question is how general is it? So do you have to have specific um, camera, um, camera positions or um, kind of environments or countries even, or is it very general and you can use it some, somewhere including trains and buses that we were asked? It's general enough that uh, a train or a bus definitely would work. Uh, actually, we've we've done pilots uh, in those situations. Um, so some there are some exceptions. For example, we we've uh, 
for example, 360 degree cameras, which have like a different field of view that can sometimes interfere. Uh, but generally speaking, any kind of camera that, that has uh, a reasonable point of view, so from below or something that, that might not work. But uh, uh, we've been, what you get when you train deep learning models it is uh, uh, what you put in is also what, what, what yeah, that's also the output of the model. So if you learn, uh, if you have a lot of training data from a lot of different countries, a lot of different viewpoints, a lot of different lighting conditions, then the model that 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 is being trained will also uh, have the ability to work in all kinds of, uh, of of situations. Yeah, I mean more specifically, um, how is it if if you would have it in a bus that is moving and if the camera catches um, stuff going by on the side, does this this motion somehow disturb it? That could, that that could be the case. So sometimes what we do if if there's a new kind of environment where where we try to apply the algorithm, we actually uh, uh, get some data from that environment and then put it into the training set and then we can learn uh, the algorithm that for example uh, if there's something moving in a in a in a bus window in the back that that it can just ignore at that part of the image it doesn't have to take it into account uh, so there are ways to 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 deal with those kind of kinds of, of, of problems uh, but uh, uh, mostly it's as easy uh, as uh, getting the data and putting it in your training set then retraining the model and the output model will be able to handle uh, the, new, the new situation. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, but just to be clear, in these kind of situations, it has to involve you guys. So you have to retrain the model. So it's more of a, a project instead of uh, just a license sale, right? True. And and for but but the end goal is that if we've seen many of these environments, and at some point that this is uh, inherent to deep learning, right? If if the training set becomes uh, diverse enough, then at some point you can expect it to work in. Uh, completely different scenarios as well. Uh, the more diverse the training set, uh, the better the model generalizes. So the better it learns to detect violence and don't. And, it, and if you have more diverse data, then it won't be distracted by little details that don't matter, which which could yeah. happen if the training set is too small. Yeah. Okay. And um, I mean, more general, uh, do fights in India look the same as in the Netherlands, or is, are they different regionally, or is it the same everywhere? They, they generally do. So violence is quite a universal thing. And, and usually there's not a lot of difference between uh, between countries or regions. Uh, we do try to uh, have a diverse set. So make sure that uh, any kind of region is, uh, is present in the data set. Because um, in some countries, it's way easier to get, uh, or, or, or you can see that, for example, the laws are quite strict in most of Europe. So it, it's quite rare to find public data sets with violent, uh, violent incidents. Uh, so we do have to uh, exert a little control over our data set and make sure that the balance is correct, uh, that there's not like 80% uh, data from a specific country and 20% and, and uh, Europe, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess, yeah, you're right. But balancing the data set is definitely important. I guess yeah, um, absolutely. Is, uh, I guess is, is bias some kind of uh, issue for you or in this kind of situation? Uh, uh, sorry, fire? Is, is uh, data set bias an issue for you, for example, to oh, have bias. to represent all different kinds of ethnicities and whatever? Yeah, absolutely. So bias, I think, uh, and this is from an ethical perspective as well. There's a lot of issues and I, I think uh, people have been talking about this a lot. And one of the most important things is you need to uh, have these controls in place to make sure that the model um, uh, doesn't have specific biases and that, that can be anything. It can also be uh, the environment or what we've seen before is, is if we use a lot of training data from one specific area, 
um, what can happen is that the model starts to think that that area has a lot of violence and it will be um, it will uh, send alerts more quickly and that and when it happens there uh, versus some other place so uh, yeah bias is, is one of the biggest risks uh, and and the best way to to make sure that there's no bias is to have a large and diverse data set so we try to uh, try to make sure that happens okay it's, uh, it's interesting I've, i haven't thought about this but uh, let me just repeat it in my own words so well, possible bias that could happen is if you if you have a large data set of a certain site, let's say, I think you mentioned forest, mm -hmm. then what the model does, it not only learns the fight that is happening in the foreground, but it learns the fight in the context of the background. So in the future, True. if you might have a if you might have a forest, then it might trigger a fight even though there is no fight. So you're yeah. saying that this is why it's important that it's balanced and you don't have this kind of bias in there. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is inherent to deep learning. It's it's one of the most inter interesting things about building these AI models. Is um, there there is just uh, it, it's kind of like a black box. You need to you can steer what the algorithm is doing by uh, modifying your training set. You can also of course make changes to the algorithm the, uh, the algorithm itself, but those are mostly related to the speed on which you can train it or uh, the the performance. Uh, but you need to exert a lot of control over your uh, training data set to make sure that the model uh, doesn't have bias or doesn't do any uh, weird things like focusing on some background feature that is not important to to and, and that's what i meant by generalizing generalizing is the process of making sure that the model does not take into account uh, the kind of features that are not important for detecting violence and it really learns yeah. to understand what violence is yeah um, okay. Yeah, I can imagine it's really uh, it's really a challenge. Um, I want to pick up one of the questions from uh, from the audience as well. Uh, we have the question: um, How customizable is it? I guess for the for the user per site, because uh, it might be different. Um, we, we're talking about the buses, where some regions should be excluded. Maybe um, can this somehow be configured or adapted by by a user somehow when you deploy it? Uh, so. Especially for cities and municipalities, we currently just uh, we've been having so many pilots and, and, and do have such a diverse data set. It's just an off the shelf algorithm. You can just put it anywhere and it'll work. Uh, if you if, if there's a really specific use case, for example, a moving bus, then we might need to do some extra training. Uh, but I think a lot of these use cases we've already seen and already made, made sure that, that, that the required training data is in the training set. Uh, so uh, in that case, I, I think 99% of the cases we could just uh, install it and it's an off-the-shelf uh, solution, yeah. Okay, so it's it, uh, going back to general, so it's general enough that you don't have to adapt per site in general? Yeah. Um, and it's uh, and it's out of the box, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned before that one of the things why this hasn't been, hasn't been done before is because it's so, it's hardware intensive to train on, uh, on, on video and to we call it inference, but to um, to detect based on video. Um, can you give us an idea what it means in terms of hardware that you need? I guess you're running on servers. Yeah, so uh, we often use a graphical processor, so GPUs, the kind of uh, chips that 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 were mostly used by gamers, but are now actually also used in production by a lot of machine learning companies because they are very efficient at. Uh, uh, doing training and inference on uh, deep learning models. Um, so we use a lot of NVIDIA hardware, uh, GPUs. The market is actually uh, just like a lot of the, their supply chain issues have been uh, really bad since COVID. So it's quite hard to get these GPUs and get them uh, 
reliably. Uh, often when we have, for example, uh, a medium-sized installation of 100 feet, then we need a server with, uh, we need a couple of servers uh, with, uh, I, I would say about 10 video cards in total. Uh, luckily we do have some stock, so we can uh, usually build these servers quite quickly. Uh, so we do about 10 streams uh, per GPU. And then we have like these uh, server grade uh, GPU cards that uh, can be used in production. Okay, and the server grade means um, uh, V100, T4, these kind of things? Yeah. Yeah, so we there's there's a couple of them, uh, V100s, T4s, or uh, RTX 4000s. There's there's this uh, line of uh, server uh, server grade uh, hardware from Nvidia. And you do about ten cameras per GPU. Yeah, depends per per GPU, and sometimes it can also depend uh, on the rest of the system, basically. But uh, yeah, generally speaking, uh, about ten feet. Okay. Um, before we uh, actually we're over time already, but before we wrap up. Um, I remember you told me about applications inside of prisons that we haven't really talked about yet. Um, could you give us an idea what you do there and, and why this is relevant for them? So um, in prisons, actually, uh, uh, well, we, we've been struggling a little bit uh, with the, the urgency of our use case uh, in cities uh, uh, since COVID has started. I mean, I think 90% of violence happens during uh, nightlife hours. So uh when bars are closed uh, there there's a, a lot less violence and generally speaking that that's great but uh, for oddity it's not that great uh, always uh, so we've been actually uh, looking into some other uh, yeah some other areas where uh, where violence might occur and i think pr prisons uh, closed institutions or even uh, psychiatric, uh, psychiatric institutions are are great uh, places to deploy our solution uh, we've been having some challenges with doing indoors versus outdoors, where the cameras are often uh, closer to to the subjects, for example. Uh, but but it's been uh, it, it's been working really well, and we've been able to uh, yeah to to help the, the prison staff manage prisons uh, with with a solution like this. Okay. And uh, one final point to cover, because this is always important to ask for video analytics. Um, can you give us an idea where it doesn't work? Because it's very important that we make sure we're not promising anything to any users that we cannot deliver afterwards. So are there any situations where you say, don't use it there, it doesn't make any sense? Um, I think purely from a technical perspective, uh, if the camera itself is, is moving, which is called ego motion, uh, you have these PTZ cameras that have like these set schedules, uh, so they keep moving all the time that won't work. So if the camera itself is moving, then it's really hard for us to determine how the, the, the people in the scenes, in the scenes that, the, that, that the camera is filming are moving because uh, you have to compensate for the movement of the camera and that's quite a hard problem. Uh, so in that case, it wouldn't work. Also, um, uh, we usually, um, there are some, some, uh, some interest in using our solution um, without a surveillance center. So cities would then place cameras uh, in the city center, for example, and have uh, our algorithm send an alert to the police directly. So there wouldn't be a surveillance center in between. Now, uh, we usually do not recommend such a setup because it can, uh, it can be quite a burden for police or people on the street to, to constantly check their phones and see if there's an alert. Uh, when we produce a false positive, which happens from time to time, that it can actually uh, be not that great for uh, yeah for for the people that are on the street. So usually we do recommend there be a surveillance center to actually handle uh, the alerts all the produces. Okay, so 
no PTC cameras, I guess no drones either, no body cams either because they're moving. Um, yeah. No, uh, there should be a human checking, uh, verifying the results. Um, and Absolutely. I mentioned, you mentioned before, 360 degree cameras could be an issue as well. Could be an issue. We've actually been working on that. So right now it does work, but uh, uh, yeah, generally speaking, I think especially moving cameras, you, you mentioned uh, drone cameras, for example, that, that is really a challenge. So that's something we do not support at this point. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so maybe give, give us also a little bit of an idea where it goes into the future before we drop off. Um, where do you plan to go in the future? And let me attach one of the questions we had earlier here. Um, it was asking if it was possible to predict violence. I think it's not possible today, but are you thinking about it maybe in the future? We have been thinking about this a lot, but uh, I think it's, it's, we usually say if, if a person could can do it, then an algorithm could in theory do it as well. So, um, but generally speaking, even even for humans, it's really hard to to uh, to predict when violence is going to occur. Uh, this, especially, uh, I've seen a lot of examples over over the past couple of years. Usually, it comes out of nowhere. It, I mean, you, you're just looking at some 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 people who seem to be hanging out and, and having fun, and then suddenly out of nowhere, uh, the violence erupts. So. I think it's a hard problem and something we aren't focusing on at this point. We're just focusing on detecting it when it's actually happening instead of trying to predict. Okay, so you're focusing um, on violence detection. And I guess, as you mentioned before, you're looking into uh, further uh, applications or use cases or verticals, customer verticals to apply that. Yes. Yeah, so we're actually looking at some other uh, safety-related uh, stuff. So that could be, for example, detecting when somebody falls or faints in the street. Um, maybe other safety-related stuff, such as we've been doing this use case in, in, in prisons where people throw uh, stuff over the prison walls. Uh, that, that's an interesting use case. Uh, so we're trying to look, at, look into that and see which... Um, make the most sense, which have the most impact on the community and, and on the, the safety in cities and, and other areas. And that way we try to decide which, which anomalies will be next, basically. All right. Um, this is uh, super interesting, super cool. We are well over the time, so I think we have to wrap up now. Um, although I'm sure we could talk for hours about this. Uh, so yeah. thank you for coming. Super interesting. Um, guys, the, the ones that are shown, that are watching right now, uh, if you want to know more about this, check out their website. It's oddity.ai, where you can have more information and contact them. Um, otherwise, um, happy that you have been here. Um, this was another episode of Video Analytics 101, the first one in 2022. We will do another one in a month. This will, this will actually be about smoke and fire detection. We're talking to Bosch will be interesting as well. So watch out for the invite. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Subscribe to the YouTube channel right away because then you will also see when, when we have uh, another live session starting. Otherwise, uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for coming and see you next time.